and welcome to the Joey Miller Podcast. I'm so excited for you to join me today. We are going to do something a little bit different on today's podcast, and you can let me know if you like it or if you don't. So one of the questions that I get often is, how do you study the Bible? How do you approach the Bible? How do you continue to learn and grow and just mine from the Bible? And I remember years ago, I went and heard an amazing woman preach at a conference and I was like wow like I don't get what she gets out of the Bible how does how does she study the Word of God so it sent me on this journey of figuring out my uh, most ideal way to look and study the Word of God so that I could keep growing now you know when I first started studying the Bible I would often you know read a verse or two which is good I would read a chapter but then I started to want to grow more in the Word and I realized that it wasn't that the word was boring, it was that I was maybe not expanding my studying skills uh, to apply to the Bible. So I'm going to take you through the book of Philippians. We're going to go into a Bible study today. And so it's not like really deep, but I want to just show you how I approach my Bible studies, the information I get out of it. And we're going to go through Philippians. And if you all like this, we can do this more often, go through a Bible study together. So if you have your pen and your your paper and a Bible, and of course something caffeinated because that's just how we roll, uh, we're going to dive into the book of Philippians. Now I'm reading out of the ESV. When you're studying the Bible, choose whatever version that you like. Um, For years I did the NIV, then I did the NLT, and then I switched to the ESV. For me, I want to find a translation that both I can understand and that I know is as close to the original meaning and context as possible because that's just really important for me. If I'm building my life on these principles, I want to make sure the Bible that I'm reading is as accurate as God intended us to read it. Now, once I look at my accurate version, sometimes I'll do like a parallel study where I grab three or four different versions of the Bible to see how it's translated and to see if maybe we can get a little more creative in the way we're expressing it while staying integral to the original purpose of the text. And so that means if I'm preaching, I might find a passage that I love, maybe out of Philippians 4, and I'll look at the Amplified, I'll look at the message, um, I'll look at some other versions to see if maybe um, it's more relatable but still integral to a text that I know is uh, really just solid. So whatever Bible version that you find that you like, grab it. And and you know what? If you get bored in your Bible reading, this is a great way to switch things up. Switch up the version. Sometimes we get so comfortable with one version that um, we just read right past it. So, um, so you can switch that up as well if you want to get creative in your Bible reading. But we're going to dive in to the book of Philippians. And what I do usually is I assign myself a Bible reading and I give myself an assignment because there's nothing worse than waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning and trying to make decisions. That's not like the best time to make decisions for your life. So still trying to wake up and so if I've already predetermined like okay I'm jumping into the book of Philippians then I sit down and I am ready to go. And so uh, what I'll usually do is I'll get my study Bible out and I'll start to go through like the historical context, the intention of the, the author, And this doesn't have to be some like intense study where you order 20 commentaries and all of these things. Get yourself a good study Bible. And usually in the notes, you'll find um, some Bible references that you can turn to as well as the, the history of the Bible. When you approach the Bible, 
you can look at it from a couple different perspectives. One perspective is the historical context, and that helps us to know what was going on in the culture, what was going on in the time period, so that we can then understand it, uh, understand the word through the filter of the culture. And that way it brings less confusion, it brings more understanding and relatability to us. When I see maybe Paul is uh, speaking about women wearing head coverings, I can understand that something with history and culture that was very applicable to the time, that although it was good and I can, I can derive something good from the heart of what that was, it might not be exactly applicable for the culture that we live in today. And a lot of things in ancient culture do parallel what's going on in our everyday lives, but, but we could look at it through that historical uh, context. Another way that we can look in, at our Bible when we're reading it is, is through a, a literary context. That means um, to understand that the Word of God, it, it, it's so brilliant, God is so brilliant in using people to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it, but not all letters are created equal. Not all books of the Bible have the same intent. Um, God is so creative in the genre uh, that he uses that sometimes it'll be a more poetic book, um, like the Song uh, of Songs. Sometimes um, it will be a, a book of wisdom, uh, like the book of Proverbs. Sometimes it'll be letters to the church. And then we have the law and all of those amazing things in the Old Testament. We have the prophets. But it's understanding that we approach each book differently in how we read it. So today we're going to be diving into one of Paul's letters to the churches. And I love Paul's letters because they're super applicable. They have some wisdom. They have some uh, life application because a lot of what these different churches were going through, we, it's applicable to us today in our culture. And, and it's just short, easy reading. And so I could pick it up, I could study it, and I can grow through reading these letters that Paul wrote to the churches. And so we're going to dive in Philippians here. Philippians, first of all, uh, it was written by Paul to the church in Philippi. And this was a, a Bible community in Eastern Europe that was actually the first church that Paul planted in Eastern Europe was this church of Philippi. And it, we, we see the reference to it in Acts chapter 16. Paul went to Philippi and started a work there. And so this community is made up of retired soldiers, um, people who were in the military. So nationalism, and it's, it's a big thing there. It's a big thing about who they serve. It's a very military-based town. So that's important in understanding that when Paul goes in with a message that Jesus Christ is the king of all kings, it stirs up some trouble. People were thinking, is Paul, um, you know, is he trying to start something here? Is he trying to start a tyranny? Who is this king that Paul is preaching about? We should be most loyal to our, our country. And so uh, Paul took some slack for that in uh, in Philippi. And so when we understand that, it gives us a little bit of a clear understanding of what is going on here. So, so we see that Paul is actually writing this letter to the Philippians in response to an act of kindness that they did for him. So while Paul planted the church in Philippi, he is now in a Roman prison. So he's in prison, as Paul often was, getting into some trouble uh, for preaching the gospel. And so uh, the Philippians sent uh, a servant to Paul with some money to help uh, support him 
in this particular time. And in response to that gift, we get the beautiful book of Philippians in the Bible. And so Philippians is a book really uh, that's really composed of short essays that Paul starts to write to uh, the Philippi church. But what I love is, you know, when we're studying the Bible and, and we just went through a little bit of a historical context, that it's just not for then, it's for now. And that's what the Word of God says. The Bible says uh, the Word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing between soul and marrow. That means this isn't just a book that we read, that it is uh, the living, active Word of God, that when we, when we take it to Him, He uses the Holy Spirit, takes the words on this page and speaks directly to our lives. That means that the same uh, words that were penned to the Church of Philippi now have application in my life, not only today, but I could reread the book of Philippians in a month and it could mean something completely different to me at that time. So, you know, approach the word of God with a spirit of expectation. Always pray, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. Give me understanding. Give me clarity uh, to your words so that I can really understand it and apply it to my life, that I can worship you, that I can live for you. And that's what uh, this, the, the book of Philippians is truly about. It's about us living our lives for and unto Jesus Christ. It's about the story that God has uh, within his story that is our story. It's a story of how our lives can reflect and glorify God ultimately. And so we're going to dive in to see some lessons that we can learn from this really short letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. So Philippians chapter 1, Paul is addressing the Philippians. He's thanking God for them. And I'm just going to take some bits and pieces out of this, but go back and read the book of Philippians. It's super short, and, and so, but you can follow along with me. It starts, Paul starts to uh, give a prayer of thanksgiving, and he thanks God uh, in remembrance of you always, making a prayer because you are my joy, because of the partnership that you had with me in the gospel from the first day until now. And listen to what Paul says in verse 6. He says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, uh, and, and I can feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. You were all partakers with me in the grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And he's, so what he's saying is, look, uh, I'm partnering. We're in this thing together. And he's saying, as, as you've received the message of Jesus Christ, if you started the work of God there, I'm committed to see you grow. And you're committed to me as well. And he said, as we're doing this, we're partaking of the advancement of the gospel together. Not only that, but he's saying not only is the gospel message advancing, but he says, I am sure, confident, I am uh, committed to the understanding that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion. And his message to the Philippians basically is don't lose heart because I'm in prison. Don't lose heart because these Roman nationalists are giving you some, uh, some issues. He's saying, stay committed to the message of Jesus Christ because God's working his story in and through you. And this is one of those moments where I'm reading the book of Philippians and the, the verse is like jumping off the page into my heart and God's speaking to me. Uh, I am confident, you know, I can be confident that the work that Jesus started in me, he is going to be 
faithful to bring it to completion. No matter what seeming adversity is standing in my way, no matter what people are saying that are coming against me, I could be sure that the work that Jesus Christ started in, in me, he is going to bring it to full completion. And he goes on and he, he thanks the Philippians for everything that they have done uh, for him. And he says, and it is my prayer, and I love Paul's prayers to the churches. It is my prayer for you that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, pure, and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And then what I'll usually do there is I'll stop and I'll pause for a second and think if Paul prayed this over the church, then I'm going to pray and declare this, not only for, for my life, that the, but over the people that I lead to, that their love for Jesus would grow more and more. And through that love, they would have discernment. Lord, give me discernment of what your will is, that I can walk in your will for my life. And so... So Paul's really giving thanksgiving in this in this first chapter and he goes on and he addresses what's happened to him that he was put in prison. And this is a great moment to say wait a second. Paul wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison. Um, because we get later into the, the book of Philippians when he is talking about the peace and the joy and, and all the good things and you're like, "Yeah, I can receive that. Yes, peace and joy." And then you're like, "Wait a second." you know, pump the brakes. He wrote this while he was in prison. And so it gives a fresh perspective and a fresh scope that Paul was going through a really difficult time. A Roman prison was no joke. Um, he was probably getting beat and tortured at, at this point. And, and yet he is talking about just the joy and the peace and contentment we could have in Christ. And we're going to get to that. But, but so he's talking to them because they know he's in prison. And he says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And he goes on to say, and most of the brothers, having been confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He goes on to say, look, I am actually using this for the advancement of God's plan. And so uh, this is a beautiful picture of no matter what you're going through right now, God, if you steward it, I always say any adversity stewarded through faith is a recipe for a miracle. And Paul is saying this. He's saying, when I steward this adversity... And, and I can actually uh, stay in a place of peace and joy, even in the midst of persecution, then, then I am actually encouraging others to be bold in their faith. I'm standing up against fear, against um, any adversity that would want to come against you. I'm giving you the courage to know that you can walk through it too. And for me as a believer, I take pieces like that and I say, yes, you know what? If Paul, if Paul can preach from a prison, if he can uh, walk through that adversity with peace and joy, then whatever I'm going through, I can also walk through it with peace and joy. So he goes on and he talks about our lives now, our story reflecting Christ's story, a story within a story. And he says, to live is Christ. He's talking about, look, yes, we know King Jesus. We're going we're gonna to be with him not only one day, but he's going to come and he's going to establish his reign on this earth. Uh, but, but for now, for me to live my life is the advancement of the gospel. Paul reminds us. Look, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what other people are saying, how crazy the world is, keep focused 
on the mission, which is to preach Jesus Christ. He says, for me, it would be easier if I could just die and be with Jesus. But, but for the sake of the kingdom, he says, I want to live, I want to preach the gospel, and I want to see every purpose and plan that God has for my life come to pass. And so Paul starts to talk about this in chapter 2. And then in, in verse 27 of, of chapter 1, I'm sorry, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent or I may hear of you, standing firm in one spirit with one, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And he goes on to say, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You stay completely focused on the Lord, standing firm in one spirit. So that's chapter one of Philippians, so much rich a scripture even in this first chapter. And then we go into chapter two. And chapter two is a beautiful recap. It's it's a portion of Paul's writing that he goes into a brief poem, really uh, summarizing the whole gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to pause here and say, if one of your goals maybe is to memorize scripture, this portion of scripture in Philippians 2 is a great scripture to memorize. It's easy, it's poetic, and it's filled with just the power of the gospel message. So he goes on and he talks about what what Jesus did as a servant. Uh, he talks about not con not doing anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you not look to his own interest. And, and he goes on and he starts to quote um, a, a passage in Isaiah. He talks about who who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross therefore god has highly exalted him bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of the father so he gives this like gospel recap message and and from that gospel recap it's like he paul revisits the the joy of their salvation like their first love like let me remind you of this message of jesus that i preach to you so that whenever you're going through hardship or you see me going through hardship you remember what jesus did for us that we don't have to live as victims of our adversity but we can actually live in victory despite what's going on around us and he goes on and he talks about being lights in this dark world and he says work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure this is another moment that jumps off the page of me and, and i see that that paul is saying look this is the gift that you have in jesus christ uh now now what you need to do is you need to unpack it you have victory it's yours, signed, sealed, and delivered. Now it's your job as a Christian to start unpacking these beautiful gifts that we have because of Jesus Christ. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with a fear and an honor and an admission before God that you have a purpose in all of this. I'm going to unpack my salvation. I'm going to say, what are the blessings and the covenant promises that I have through Jesus Christ now that cause me to walk through adversity through uh, victory. And so he said, start to unpack these things because God's working in and through you according to his will 
and his purpose. And so he's reminding the Philippians of this. And he says uh, that he's going to see everything come to pass until the day of Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on and he gives us some examples of uh, the life of Timothy and um, in the life of Epaphroditus. And these are examples that he says that are worthy of imitation. Timothy uh, serves others over himself. Uh, Epaphroditus is the one who brought money to Paul while he was in prison. And he's saying, look, live like these people who consider not themselves, but are living like Jesus and putting others first. And he goes on to say uh, how God has has spared Epaphroditus's life and and I love this picture into Paul's humanity because this was one of Paul's friends and we see that um, he says thank you Lord that that you spared him that I uh, may be less anxious because you have um, that you have healed him I love this that that, he, that it says in verse 27 indeed he was ill near to death but God had mercy on him and did not only on him but me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow now I love this because this is a moment of, of relatability if you've ever walked through something and it feels like you have just taken a lot of hits you see the mercy of God coming in and he says, God, it was your mercy that you spared my friend so that I didn't have to experience sorrow upon sorrow. And he goes on and he says, uh, and that I may be less anxious. Now this, this is Paul who in Philippians 4 is going to tell us be anxious for nothing. But we see a, a glimpse into the reality here that Paul had to, had to battle through and live this message out just like you and I do. So we see Paul not as someone who is just telling us to do all these things in a harsh way. Like if you want to be a Christian, you just need to do X, Y, and Z. And if you're not doing this, uh, then I can't help you. He's saying, look, I have to I have to battle through not being anxious either. I have to cling to these principles. And, and because I know I apply them to my life and they work, you can do it too. So as I'm reading Philippians and I hear Paul say something like that, I'm like, wow. I can do it too. Paul Paul struggled with it, and there's going to be moments that I might feel that anxiety try to come on me or the opportunity to be anxious, but if Paul chose to do what Philippians 4 later on goes to say, then I can too. So Philippians 2 is that beautiful poem and then examples of it.